When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> one, 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 one. One, 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 one. All right, guys. Hey, it's Willie Robertson. Welcome to the Willie Robertson Podcast. As always, I have my trusty slobby assistant, Johnny D. Johnny D, what's happening? Nothing much, boss. Big week. Big yeah, week. Huh? Big week. I wore my shirt today because of he it. He has his Donald Trump 2016 Make America Great Again shirt. It's royal blue. And it came with this sweet sticker that what I put on my computer. So on his computer, he has uh, Michael Jordan, USA Soccer, the Honey Hole Taco Shop. That's what his parents own. <laughs> Willie Robinson for president. No year there. That was somebody did that as a joke. And who is running president? Donald Trump in 16. Make America Great Again. And Trump has unusually dark brown hair in that bumper sticker. So. It's it's like a black and white picture. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, but it's, it's a cool the, sticker. It's not the. Normal. I need one more sticker for my computer to complete it. Um, so um, big week. So here's the deal, guys. Um, I was asked to speak at the Republican National Convention, um, and you know I've done a lot of things. I've done a lot of cool things. I've I've sang in front of. Well, I've sang on. ABC Christmas special. I've uh, I've spoken in front of Laura. I was the biggest group I've ever spoken in front of. Probably fifty thousand, maybe. Ah, uh, that one in Canada mm-hmm. was big. That was like eighty, ninety, somewhere. Wow, in there. a bunch of people. Um, Just a big crowd full of people in the mud. I have done. Um, I've hosted award shows. Just done a lot of cool things. You know, said prayers in front of big groups of people. I mean, if you think about NASCAR on television, that's a big... Uh, did well, I say the prayer? I don't know if I said the prayer. No, I did. Uh, Sadie I did. said the prayer. No, I said the prayer at um, the Charlotte, the Coca-Cola oh, yeah, yeah. 600. Yeah, I said the prayer there one time. Anyway, point I'm trying to make is I've been in front of a lot of people and done a lot of things. But So I was asked to speak at this year's convention. And um, i got to be honest, man, it took me a week or so just to, just to think about that. We were trying to think, and I'm going to... If anybody, even from our area, northeast Louisiana, has ever even been on the stage at a convention, we don't know. We're going to check. But anyway, it's kind of a cool thing. And so, but usually I'm like, oh, heck yeah. Like this year, I was asked to get up on stage and sing uh, uh, Sweet Home Alabama with Leonard Skinner. I mean, I'm already crawling on the stage. Like, of course I am. The first line of that song, I've sang, I've listened to it over a thousand times. I don't know what came out. I don't know what language it was. It was just jibber jabber. Yeah, like, yeah it was. <laughs> well, now it seems obvious because <laughs> it's big wheels, people turn. But it was like I don't know what came out of my mouth, but uh, it got was a little weird. overcome. So, but I was, you know, to be honest with you, um, very nervous, um, and to be the first speaker, uh, the first speaker of the entire convention, uh, actually in prime time. Um, television so and i've been on television a lot but anyway nervous so i uh, accepted and uh, i'm looking forward to it um just being there you know i love americana i love 
being in being at places is kind of where I met Trump. I just wanted to go see a rally and ended up here we are now. But um, uh, just like, yeah, you know, I, I want to be able to tell grandkids when they look back and say, yeah, I remember where I was. I remember, you know, the day President Reagan was shot. I remember when the space shuttle, um, um, you know, uh, blew up. I remember, I remember all those times. I remember where I was. And so now for me to be able to be at these rallies and things and things that just happen in our culture, it's kind of neat. Um, so this will be one for sure that'll you know that you can look back and go man that was a cool deal being able to do that and also trying to impact our country. Um, I really want to try everything I can to make our country better. Uh, no matter who the president is, you know, and I'm, you know, obviously I have people that I pull for, but uh, even if you know, like our governor right now, I try, you know, I send him a message. You know, if there's anything I can help with in our state, uh, you know, I want to try to do that. And so. Um, I just want to be that kind of person to help, and so, in a small way, this is a way to kind of help and be a part of something that's uh, that's really neat. Um, now, we'll tell you about. I've only been to one other convention in my life. And it's a crazy story. Um, I was going up to visit a company up in Anoka, Minnesota, and federal ammunition that was our ammunition sponsor at the time so i was going up to do a thing at the company i think i was signing posters or something for the employees so i'm going up and i'm talking to my friend who's the coordinator there and i said uh okay so do do we have everything lined out the hotels he said well you're probably gonna have to stay in coon rapids or uh because somewhere around because the convention's in town now i didn't know this is eight years ago i didn't know what convention he was talking about and I said, what's the convention? He said, they're having the Republican National Convention in St. Paul. And I was like, oh, wow, let's go. I mean, like, I'm going to be in town like like it's a concert or something. And he said, wow, I don't know if you can just go to the convention. I was like, oh, no, we're going. And now this is before Duck Dynasty. This is before Outdoor Channel Show. There's no television show. But I, I just thought I can figure this out because I got a little Forrest Gump in me. I end up at places that I ain't supposed to be <laughs> and, like, so everybody used to say, like, oh, Willie ended up wherever, you know. And so, and then sometimes it's a challenge, you know. Can, can I get to the sidelines and the Super Bowl? Can I figure out how to do that? It's easier now, but back then it was kind of a challenge. So uh, so I started calling around, and I ended up calling um, our representative at the time, who I was friends with, uh, Rodney Alexander. I talked to this guy, and he said, yeah, he said, I think we may can get you something. So... Anyway, I go up there, I tell my buddy, hey, I've got a pass. I mean, you know, I'm going to try to get a pass and try to get in. I'll try to get you guys passes. So off to the convention we go. Well, at the time, there was a storm, and it wasn't Katrina, um, but a tropical something had come through. And so the people from Louisiana, especially the politicians, didn't feel like they should be at the convention partying and all this, and they need to stay in the state. So I end up with the pass of our representative. I have a congressional pass. I have his pass. <laughs> And so, but he's like, no, Willie, you have my pass. Don't screw this up. Like, do not do anything stupid. Do not do anything embarrassing. I did look a little, you know, I had the beard and the hair, so I looked a little strange. But they said, we think you'll be fine. But I don't know a soul. So the first thing we had to do, we went to the mall. No, we went to some, yeah, we went to the Mall of America. Because all I had was a pair of blue jeans and a T-shirt. And he said, you cannot go on the floor looking like that. So I literally, it's like pretty woman, like, his chief of staff goes with me and I am trying on clothes like suits and stuff 
to and he's like, nah, go change. That doesn't look right. I come out again. Was how this look? <laughs> You're just the Julia Roberts. I was. I was the Julia Roberts, the redneck Julia Roberts that's trying to get to the floor of the convention. I need to be dressed properly. <laughs> so finally, we okay. He's like, okay, can I wear the bandana? Yeah, I guess you can wear the bandana. So he literally gives me that pass. He says, "You're on your own." This is uh, McCain and Palin. This is the fi- This is Thursday night, the final night, the balloons, all the stuff. So, I got my pass, and I come strutting out there on that floor like I was something. I don't have a friend with me. I don't have anybody to comment. I don't have anybody to tell me where to go. I'm by myself. So, I, when that, it's very confusing when you're on the floor because I'm looking around. I'm trying to think where are the people from Louisiana. That's who I need to hang out with. Well, they all got their signs, but you know I can't tell who's who. So I'm walking through looking. Well, the thing starts. Like, it's like, hello, welcome to the, you know, final night. Well, I'm like, oh, crap, I got to, you know. So I just went into a state. Like, I just went in and sat when I found a chair. I was with the good people from Massachusetts. <laughs> I was almost to the L's. I got to the M's, and I locked up and just, like, hunkered down for the whole convention. And so I'm sitting there looking around. Well, I'm noticing all these people are taking pictures of me. And I'm like. I'm kind of a big deal here, you know. Like, I mean, there's people dressed up like Abraham Lincoln. There, it's a, it's kind of a crazy atmosphere, and I keep smiling for all these pictures. Like, look at me. I mean, people. Nope. I guess they watch some DVDs or something. Uh, so I keep arms. taking pictures. So literally, I kid you not, three quarters of the way through the convention, I look to my right. Two seats down is Mitt Romney. They're all taking pictures of Mitt Romney. So everybody <laughs> that wanted a picture of him got the bearded guys cheesing at their camera, thinking they were taking a picture of me. They weren't taking a picture of me. So the whole thing's over. The balloons are dropping. You know, it's pandemonium. And so everybody just kind of starts moving around. Well, So this is my chance. So I've done something cool, I think. And I want to go back and tell my parents, yeah, everybody, oh, I got a cool story. Nobody knows I'm there. Nobody realizes. Nobody in my family knows that I'm at the convention. So I'm kind of working my way to the front, like, maybe I'll meet somebody cool, you know. And um, so I see Sarah Palin, and I thought, well, that'd be cool to meet Sarah Palin. But then I look over to my right, and I see Megan Kelly. And this is before Ma- – Megan Kelly, I don't even know if she had a show by then, but I think she was on the morning, actually. So I see Megan Kelly. I, I recognize her from Fox, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to go meet Megan Kelly. So I go over and said, hey, Miss Kelly, I'm Willie Robertson. Nice to meet you. Oh, she was friendly. And she kind of, she kind of leaned into me and started writing. And so I'm like standing there looking around, like yeah, look here, I'm standing here making Kelly, I'm big time. <laughs> and she looks up, Johnny, I kid you not, she looked up like at the top of the arena, and she says, "Are we on?" And they said, "Yeah." And she went live from the convention, Fox News. Well, then I realized I'm on TV. <laughs> So I do what everybody does. I pull my phone out, and I start calling people. And my mom calls and was like, you're on TV. And I'm like, I'm on TV. She's doing her thing, and I'm doing the whole I'm on TV. So, And apparently I was being a little distracted because the camera pans tighter. So you can see right below my eyes the giant beard. And I had on literally Mardi Gras beads of red, white, and blue that I had found everywhere. And I had all these beads on. And I was so excited (laughs) that I was actually on television. (laughs) And it was the coolest thing. And I'm talking to my parents. And eight years later, eight years later, I'm invited Mm -hmm. to speak at that same convention. I mean. That's a strange eight years. That's a wild eight years. 
that's um that's America, son. That you can go from literally sneaking in on the floor and just being happy the, to be there, jumping in the background of TV and waving, being excited that I'm on TV. How funny is that? Oh, because goodness. in the past eight years, I've been on television a few times. So uh, that's my Republican convention story. So I'm going back up there. Um, maybe I'll be a little more experienced this time. A little. Don't call your mom when the camera goes to you this time. That'd be very embarrassing, right there behind the microphone, going, yeah. "Hey, I'm on TV." Mom, what's up? K K calls. <laughs> Willie, you're on TV. <laughs> Speaking, mom. Well, it's a fascinating process. Today, we want to talk a little bit about politics. Um, I like politics, and uh, but it can get so weighty, and guy, everybody gets so mad, and they start fighting and calling me ugly names, and um, it. But you know, that's that's America too. So. Uh, but I'm interested, so I, I'm excited about our guest today. Um, you know the Robertsons. We don't we don't steer too far outside the family. Uh, so we have a political guy in our family. It's my cousin Zach, uh, Zach Dasher. Um, my my brother said, uh, "Well, you realize you're only a half Robertson because your name's Dasher." And he said, "Well, you are too." Which, if you think about, it, yeah, we're all kind of half right. You're yeah. all half. But Robertson. it seems like if you had the name Robertson, like you feel that way, like because your name is. I'm more Owen than Are you Owen or I mean or Howard that's your my wife's a, was your a Howard Your wife's more Howard than me but we're both the same <coughs> amount of Howard I know but it's something it's with 50, the name 50. So anyway Zach got screwed and got the wrong last name but um <laughs> because he married my dad's sister so uh we've always given him grief over that Uh they they come from a political family they lived in Florida um and I know that they were uh, instrumental, and they were helping uh, Jeb Bush when he was running for governor. So been around politics a lot. He got into politics. So we have Zach in the house, and I'm excited about introducing him to you guys, Zach Dasher. All right, so here he is, my cousin Zach Dasher. What's up, Zach? Nothing much. Good to be here. This How is are a, you? This is a relaxing setting. This is kind of yeah. It's kind of my vibe, man. It's just a uh, living room setting. Got the couches here. It's just like we're talking. How many conversations have we had in living rooms and arguments and over the years? No, we've never had an argument. Oh God, this guy. <laughs> Zach is my cousin. Um, he is. Uh, I also ran for a uh, 5th District Congress here in uh, my district um, and came up just short. Um, the good thing is the guy that just beat you ended up winning, and uh, Ralph Abraham, so he's in D.C. and doing that. And uh, Zach does all kind of things. He's a delegate, uh, and uh, you're going to be at the convention. Uh, I'm going to be at the convention. Phil's going to be at the convention. Uh, but we're not all together, uh, even though we're all family, uh, two totally separate deals. I actually just found out y'all were going to be there, um, or at least Phil was going to be there. So uh, Zach has been working with Phil on a project, uh, a movie. So uh, tell everybody, and I'm going to get Phil on the podcast, and we'll talk. The movie's not quite out yet, so uh, I was kind of waiting on that. But uh, go ahead and tell us about the movie and your involvement. And uh, I have seen it, uh, or at least... Uh, one of the versions of it uh, it's not quite finished uh, i believe but uh i did see it so tell us a little bit about the movie yeah well phil got uh received an award from from breitbart and uh citizens united they do a, a free speech award or something like that at cpac they give out every year so of they, all the awards phil could win it was definitely a free speech <laughs> award he's pretty good at that it was yeah it was between him and uh, i think mark levin won it the year before so he was in great company the great one yeah the great one so uh 
So they when they they called and asked if I get him up there to to receive the award, uh, which you know Phil getting him off the off the the rivers uh, can be a difficult task. But oh yeah, I said if you can get him a speaking engagement on the main stage at CPAC, which he did. You were there, mm-hmm. and uh, of course that I was, was there. He did good. Yeah, it had its weird moments. Uh, yeah, I love it because he had his uh, his friend uh, there who's a heart surgeon. And he starts talking about this guy, and I'm like, Phil, nobody knows who this person yeah. is. He said, who'd you be with? He said, I'd be with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and Sempanero. And, and Sempanero. <laughs> it's like nobody knew who Sempanero was. So, you know, people are Googling. Sempanero <laughs> is a doctor uh, that's Phil's friend uh, that Phil brought to the Lord. So and uh, But it was cool he got to be there, but uh, Phil's just worked him in his speech. Well, it's funny because he went like 45 minutes. I think, you know, that's why, you know, you got the teleprompter, and, the, and you, had, you, know, you had that big uh, clock up there that's counting down. Uh-huh. And, oh, uh, he never saw it. Phil never, never saw, saw it. it. No, he never he, even knew what it was. And someone said Jeb Bush tweeted, uh, I'm backstage waiting for Phil Robertson to, to shut up or something to the effect of that. Because yeah. he was that. He was the next right. speaker. But uh, while we were there, I met with Dave and, and uh, Steve Bannon from Breitbart. And I pitched – well, actually, I, I met with Dave first and pitched an idea because Dave's done some documentary films. And uh, I pitched an idea to him that, that I wanted to do. Um, I'd written a treatment for it and sent it to him. And – so he showed it to, to to Bannon, and who directs a lot of his films, and and they love the idea. Which the premise is very simple: that if you if you attempt to make any case for liberty, and you don't begin with God, then the ultimate result will be tyranny. Right. So we just walked through really two thousand years of human history, right. and uh, we filmed in Auschwitz, uh, Krakow, Poland. You know the the gas chambers. Uh, it was horrific. Uh, it's heavy. It's a heavy. It's a heavy movie. I mean, it's a yeah, there's documentary, no, and Phil's kind of the narrator of it. Uh, and and you wrote it. Yeah, I wrote the, I wrote the film, and uh, you wrote the film. Phil's the narrator, and uh, visually, it's awesome. You know, just being in those places, and it's cut with all kind of uh, art and history, and uh, very uh, educational and uh, very sobering. I mean, as you watch it, it's just yeah. at the end, it's it's kind of hard to describe how you feel, and so and the whole idea is that when you know, when nations and people get away from God, that uh, what replaces it is is not always pretty. Yeah, and it's pretty hard to argue with it too. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's historically sound. It's a, it's a, I think it's a smart argument. And I, one of the things, that, one of the reasons I wanted to do it was I wanted to show a different side of Phil too. Mm-hmm. You know, which I thought, I mean, I, I had several folks from the family say I liked watching Phil present it like that. Right, because he wasn't yelling. Screaming. It wasn't, there was no right. yelling, no screaming. I mean, none of that. And, and uh, in fact, the the, uh, the several talks that I've seen him do since then have been very, it's, it's, it's a, I think he's tapping into something that's more effective and, right. uh, you know. So. Well, and you've grown up uh, in this family. Um, uh, Zach grew up in Florida and then they moved. How long have you been over in Louisiana? Oh, man, I'm getting old now. I'm 39. 15 uh, years probably. JD, you were still in diapers when I moved here. I remember probably that. so. But probably. he was an unusual kid that wore diapers till he was seven. So <laughs> that's, that's true. So probably not really, a good way. Yeah, to you, put were, that. you were about ten. He probably yeah, has a diaper on now. He needs one. I know that's for sure. Um, but Zach uh, grew up over there. But you grew up around Phil, and um, you know, I think for people who don't know him, um, you know, day in day out, Phil's not a fiery guy. He's pretty much, you know, he has a. Yeah, kind of a monotone. You know, he talks about things. He laughs. He's, you know, he's kind of funny about stuff that how he, especially the people he hangs out with, and uh, uh, what he calls a bunch of rednecks down there, and they're all around him all the time. And so, uh, very caring person. So it was. I, I, I agree with you. I thought that was good to see him in a different light. Um, you know, leaders are, you know, 
leaders are leaders. I think when you have a leader of people, um, they're not always the same. They're, you know, some of them are say things that are uh, maybe controversial, maybe disagree with, but they lead people and people follow them. And I certainly believe Phil is is one of those leaders, uh, and he's so passionate, you know, and authentic. And so when you can put passion and authenticity together, you know, you have something powerful, and it, it'll. And it will probably rub people the wrong way. I mean, some people for sure, because we don't all agree yeah. in this country. And uh, so, well, I uh, can't wait to, uh, for the movie to keep going. And I know uh, uh, you guys will be at the convention and uh, kind of launching that and um, different people watching it. Uh, I know uh, I know I've mentioned it to Mr. Trump, and uh, he's excited about seeing it and uh, uh, helping promote it as well. So, uh so that's going to be cool. And uh, so now this uh, convention, if you don't know, uh, if you don't, you don't know Zach, my cousin, but he's a Republican, uh, 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 pretty conservative Republican, maybe more conservative than me. Would you? Oh, yeah, I think definitely I'd say that. <laughs> so for years, he's been calling me a liberal uh, uh, on my spectrum. Of I just care about people. Zach doesn't. So uh, I guess that's the main yeah. difference in yeah. us. Uh, I don't care about people at all. Yeah, that's true. Now, let, just let me put this in perspective. So Zach is my younger cousin. He and Jeff are about the same age. Zach was in my – when I was a college youth minister, Zach was in my college group, he and Jeff. And uh, on many occasions, I had to go over and uh, – uh, you know, lay down the law. We had a few interviews. Yeah, the way they were living their lives, uh, because probably most of it would have hindered your political career. That is true. And see, and I didn't come out with all the stuff I knew about you then <laughs> uh, when you were about 18 years old. But uh, uh, Zach's married uh, to Jill, uh, just a sweet girl. And uh, how many kids? You have so many, I forget. Well, I, uh, you got more than I got. I've is got, it five? I've got four. What you do got you got? Four. Okay, I've got six. So yeah. yeah. Um, but Zach and his family live here in West Monroe, and. Uh, so what made you get into politics? Um, uh, what interests you about politics? Because you also, is, he's a kind of a Bible scholar as well. Um, I've been to many of his Bible classes where he teaches. And uh, uh, but, but why politics? I mean, what intrigues you about that? You know, we sat down the night. In fact, you, I think, Willie, you were the first person that I talked to about mm-hmm. doing this. And, uh, I remember that. I remember, yeah. We stayed up. In this about, house. Yep. yep but we were up till about 3 in the morning that night. And uh, and probably five hours of conversation about, you know, what what my vision was. was I mean, basically, I mean, I, I do believe that politics is downstream of culture, you mm-hmm. know, I, but, I, you know, I saw an avenue um, with the shakeup in, the, in our district during that time period, and, uh, you know, that was, a, and obviously being connected with the family, I saw an avenue to get in and make real systemic change. Um, so I went for it, and, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a close race, I, but I think God had a plan. I'm not. I wasn't upset when I lost. You know, a lot of these guys are completely defeated when they lose. Right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I mean, you know, this. Well, most so, of them lose before they win. I mean, most, that's true. Most people don't just go in and start winning everything. You know, yeah. you got to learn the game. Well, I didn't know what I, I mean from the political spectrum. I had no clue. I mean, you hire, you're trying to hire a team. I've always heard that political consultants were like the scum of the earth. You know, so right. you, you can't trust any of them. So I, I, I believe that and. And maybe a lot of them are. I did meet a, a, a lot of good people as well, though. But, um, but I, I really got into it because I think that our our, our federal government is is way too powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the fact right now that you know all the 
you know, all the talk about the Supreme Court and the next president of the United States of America is going to appoint maybe four Supreme Court justices. And, you know, we, we, we talk about that this and we've said this for the last three elections, by the way, that this is this is it. If we don't win this when it's over. And I do believe that they're all very important. But but my point is, is that if that the White House and the Supreme Court are way too powerful, it should not be that that important. You know, it's way too powerful, way too big. We got to deconsolidate Washington D.C. We got to put power back in the hands of local communities. Right. I mean, it's just out of control. Well, I mean, I do think the Supreme Court is a is a big part. I do think there's, uh, I would call it, really just straight out fear mongering, where it's like, this is it. You know, yeah. if this doesn't happen, it's it's going to hell in a handbasket, and we're moving. And you hear a lot of that stuff, and I, I believe it. It's probably been that way ever since we started, right? It's probably people are saying that, like, if this happens. But it is worse now. I mean, I was watching. um, I don't know if it's. I mean, if I did that with my. You have children. I have children. What if every time I was like, that's it. If you don't do this again, we're never going to eat again. We're going to. And my mom used to do that. It was like, you know, if you do this, we're going to get arrested and, you know, and you'll go to jail. Like, she would try this. Yeah, you know, the first time, oh, maybe. But then after a while, I'm like, okay, this is not the end of the world. <laughs> well, know? but I I actually believe that the, the consequences are dire. I'm just I, – I, I believe that the, the, that's the problem, that the Supreme Court is that significant. Like the, and they are because they're legislating from the bench. I mean, I do think it matters, uh, you know. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't matter, and I'm not saying it's not important. I'm just saying I'm not one of these people who are saying – if we don't get, if I don't get the next president that I want, I'm leaving yeah. the country, and this whole thing's well, no, going down. I, I, you stupid. know, I mean, yeah. I've always said this is that, you know, we our television show came out and we became very successful, and all that happened under President Obama. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, didn't have, and I, I know I'm different than a lot of folks out there, and I know people are hurting, and I know people need jobs and and all this, but. The particular president that that happened under was someone that most of the time I don't agree with, but still I think as Americans we live our lives and you know, um, and I do think you're seeing change. I think you're seeing more people came out this year, probably I think than ever, uh, who are excited about politics and excited about you know making changes. Some I agree with, some I don't. Yeah. But uh, it's a it's a crazy time, and um, but I you know, what are the solutions? I mean. You're saying the government's too powerful. Well, aren't they going to try to maintain that power? I mean, it's kind of hard to take power away from people that once they get it. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> they like true. it. It's fun. Well, Lord, Lord Acton said, "Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely." So you look in, you look at our, our, you know, Democratic nominee, and I mean, she she's not going to be prosecuted by the FBI for you know with anybody else that did yeah, that. Yeah, but that ha- I mean. You know, it's hard to put those people in jail. Uh, That's because they're too powerful. They they're not playing uh, by the same rules that we are. And uh, you know, I think that's why people. That's honestly the the explains the rise of Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders is that no doubt it's this populist uprising that people are like we're sick of people not playing by. But that's what you're. So you should like that because the people are uprising. Well, I think populist mode saying hey, let's change. I would say their populism. Is mis is misguided. <laughs> That's what I would say. Well, now well, at one you say the government's too powerful and needs to be more power to the people, but now you're saying ah the people are rising up and there's a populist movement. But I don't like that either because right. you don't agree with what. Well, there's why. That, here's why. It's it's like the French Revolution all over again. You know that, that was a okay. populist <laughs> uprising 
but it was. You just happen to pick one that's really bad. Yeah, I mean, like that's your example is the one that's horrible. Like it's just like that. Okay, I'm always cautious about saying, "Oh, this is like this," and you pick the worst thing. Well, it's ever. very similar. It's very similar in that in that people aren't getting their heads chopped off. Not yet. Oh my goodness. Not yet. <laughs> so there'll be guillotines here. And I'm not. Be... I don't know what it'll look like. What I'm saying is though, if you have a government that continues to consolidate power. Eventually, that system collapses, and I think we could even collapse under the weight of our own our own uh, debt. I oh, mean, I'm with you on the debt. So what? I'm with you on the debt, um, which to me that happened under a couple of presidents. I mean, not that wasn't just Obama. That was also uh, W. As well, who I love and loved his loved him as a person, and I thought he was a good guy, the right guy for the right time, but. Spend a lot of money, you know. Yeah, I, but I, I, yeah, I'm not, a, and I don't carry the water for the Republican Party. I mean, I think that. Um, what are you? I mean, are you still a Republican? Or are you? Um, I mean, I'm a registered Republican, uh, but I'm kind of a hybrid. I'm somewhat libertarian in my <laughs> economics, but I'm still evangelical. So I'm kind of a weird. Does there need to be another party like for people like you? I don't know what's going to happen, man. This whole thing looks like it's about to melt down. You well, know? great. You're giving us a bunch of solutions. You're saying we're. Basically fixing to be like the French Revolution, <laughs> get our heads chopped off by guillotines. Great no, job, Zach. No, no, no. What a message of hope. Here's a here's your I solution. Feel better. Here's your here's your solution. Drink you some have, antifreeze now. <laughs> no, you have to have you have to have major entitlement reform. I don't know if you can fl- fix it politically though. That's where I'm at right now. I mean, I'm looking like I said earlier. So you don't like Trump? We know that. I will. Were say, you one of these never Trump guys? I will say this. I th- I would say that I appreciate Trump for. Um, taking down political correctness um there's a start i like that so he's look the best thing that ever happened to phil robertson was donald trump i mean i mean you know once phil was so controversial but donald like the next level and he showed us something that when you when you say something that's politically incorrect and the left comes after you or the or, or the thought police come after you he just doubles down and it works and i think that's why he He does nothing the way he's supposed to do it no if you like phil robertson then you have to like Donald Trump. I do because like that. you you'll sit there and explain Phil and say, "Oh, let me explain what he meant. Let me explain, it, you know, because yeah. you see something different than maybe what the sound blurb was that somebody put up on the the article, right? Yeah. But you know differently. Well, I'm not. That's the way I feel with Trump. Like I, I know Trump. I've, I talked to, but Trump. I can't defend. I can't defend Trump in this sense because he is uh, philosophically we're not aligned. But I can say this. I can say I'm not part of the Never Trump movement because I'm looking at the alternative, and I'm I, I'm certainly not going to go with Hillary. Um, so he I, beat every the best and the brightest of all the Republicans. I mean, everybody's been sitting there salivating for eight years, going, "Man, when I get my chance, I'm going to take this." It was an opening, much like when you ran with yeah. our with our fifth district. Everybody around this area was like. I got what it takes to do it. So we get the best and the brightest of all the Republican, but the smartest people who know all the smart words and beautiful words, and and they all went up against him, <laughs> and he words. just literally lopped them down like you're like you have a a, a weed trimmer out there just well, lopping the tops of it's them. It's because off. politics are downwind of culture, and that's what people are looking for. They're looking for someone who's witty and funny. And charismatic. No, they're looking for. I think that's where you're misinterpreting. They're looking for change. Just what you just said. There's change. If there's one person who gonna, I think would go change? in there and make this government not so powerful, not they don't need money, 
I mean, that's what I like about him. You don't have to worry about him, like, you know, skanking somebody or writing a book or doing I mean, he's already got money. He doesn't need money. He just raised that was 50, the best he, thing okay, I like about He just about raised him. $51 million, though, when he said. He has he, to. No, he, he said he was going to fund his own campaign. No, he did at the beginning. Well, now uh, he's, he, I mean, in order to go against the Democratic let me, let me, machine, let me tell you, you gotta, but let so let me tell now this. you shouldn't raise money. I you raise no, money. I have no problem. You may or may not have asked me to help you raise money. <laughs> you were all for raising money a couple of years ago. You were like, let's raise some a, money. But I never, I never said, Zay, you should just fund this yourself. Go buy your six signs and good luck. No, I'm not against raising money. I, what I'm saying is, is that that everybody you have to raise money if you're going to run on that scale. That doesn't mean you're bought and paid for. Uh, I don't think. Do you that, think he's bought? Do you think anybody can buy and pay? No, for I'm saying I, I that's mean, what I'm saying. I'm pretty but, sure, like, but you're doing whatever. But your argument do. would be that that these other guys are bought and paid for. Like, I think Ted Cruz no, is about as principal. Again, I didn't say that. I never said they're bought. I said the best and brush ran against him, and he just embarrassed them. Like, like literally, I'm laughing in tears. Going, I cannot believe this is a tried and true political machine and he just uh, yeah, literally but, but here's took the deal, them though. apart but, but piece this, by piece but what's he going to do like what's he going to do to change where we're at i mean it i don't i, I don't see him overturning obamacare uh, because he's already said that he supports a federal mandate and all that. I mean, I'm looking like the reason he why, says it every time he speaks. He says, he's yeah, but 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 Obamacare is a federal mandate. Like that, you can't say I'm for the federal mandate. Well, it would certainly help but, if we had a president who was willing to change that thing. I'm not totally against some of the aspects of it. I want people to have health care. I'm not a you know, again, I'm more liberal than you are. I think people should. We should try to help people out. It just needs to be changed and tweaked. Not, you know, we tried. Yeah, I don't think that came out of a bad heart. I mean, oh, I, I, think I think it, I think it came out of a a a very um, well thought out plan to systematically socialize our country to take over huge industries. It's meant to it's meant to to shut it's meant to destroy the insurance industry and to push everyone into a single payer. And there's nowhere in your heart to think that somebody just doesn't have health care and needs some help and. Like, there's nowhere that somebody's like, man, let's just yeah, try to help it, some people. Yeah, out. Like, I, I would, I would say this. You know, I'm not I, even, I've been to other countries. I, not, I go to other countries where people just literally lay out there until they're dead. They just die, and they're buried. Like, and they're like, we're sorry, we don't have any money, we can't help you. Yeah, but it's not. You're, if you're, you come to this changing, country, you're changing the argument. Though. I'm not against helping people. I'm, I'm just against forced charity because then it's not charity. You can't force. I can't. If I came and knocked on your door. And I had a basket, and I, and I was in a cop uniform, and I said, hey, give me $100 to pay for this guy down here. I mean, and you have to do it, like, or we're taking you to jail. That's not charity. Yeah, but that may cause me to not trust cops, so I don't know if we can say that right now. No, so. yeah, we can't say that right now. That's true. <laughs> well, That's- I understand about forced charity and all that, but sometimes you do have to say, look, you got to throw some money in here. They make me pay property tax and stuff because guess what? There's a bridge that needs fixing. If they just put a pot out and said – Throw some money in here so we can fix the bridge. If nobody throws money and fix the bridge, bridge can't we can't none of us can get over the bridge. Well, that's so, a little different. I understand. I, I do agree. It's some parts we, of well, government. Well, we have a we have a. I'm not saying government doesn't have a role. Infrastructure obviously <laughs> is that role. Security is that role. I think that you know the, when trying to get people to have. I mean, I get it. I mean, I. I I'm just not so pessimistic as you go, and it's a systematical, fundamental breakdown to try to make people social. I'm trying to live somewhere in the middle, going, okay, let's. How can we help people that need help who don't, who aren't as wealthy as we are, and all that? I mean, and I was like this before I was wealthy. You've known me before, you know, when before I didn't, I didn't have all this stuff, and but I still wanted. I want to help people, and I want there to be something there that we can do. I think we we tried. It hasn't worked. I mean, none of it has worked. Like. 
the administration thought, and that's that's obvious. I mean, I think they would admit. That. I mean, yeah, the premiums went up, and people are screwed, and they don't get what they need. And so, I mean, I understand, but it's a big system. It's a big well, system. Even, to even try if to it is, out. even if it does come from a place of a good heart, which I don't think it does from the top. I, I think a lot of people who that's buy why into Trump's it, saying replace. Like we can replace something, like, but you have to replace understand. it with a free market system. You can't pl- replace. I, it I agree. With I mean, I think the free planned. market system is best, but I, you know, but somehow. In the in the free system, there are people that are overlooked, bottom lined out, and you just it may be more advantageous for well, you to die. But they're all, uh, telling me you've been in the pharmaceutical. You tell me pharmaceutical companies don't just factor in a certain amount of people that are just going to die, and that's part of it. Like, of course they do. Well, but, you're but, just a number but, on a thing going. Ah, eh, you didn't, uh, you know. But if you're if you're, but see, here's the deal. You can't. We're not going to have utopia. We're not going to have a perfect system. And that's what the left does. They 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 find that if there's anyone suffering, then the systems fail. Well, no, that's not true. What we're looking for, and it's like uh, I forgot who said this: that the capitalism isn't isn't it, it, is, it isn't the uh, the best system in the world. What did they say? It's the worst system in the world, but it's better than all the others, or something like that. It's horrible, but it's better than all the others. It's not that it's you're not offering utopia. You're not offering that this is a fix all for everybody. We're just saying that when you when you free markets up, that this the most people. Uh, um, achieve fulfillment through a system that is free so you're going to have less people dying in the street under a truly free market than you would a socialized system where i think it's both i think it's i think somewhere in there there's both i think probably that was a message of jesus christ himself it's both he didn't hammer on governments i mean you're you're a follower of jesus he didn't why didn't he tell us to go change the whole system and go let's take down let's go get some you know rulers and all this i mean i think christianity has to work it has to work. We're in a system. What I love about America is this. We as Christians can work till our hearts are content. We go to other countries. This country provides us a place to do that that's relatively safe. Hopefully we're not bankrupt. And I think there's this level of protection that God has given us in this country to do that, that you don't have in other countries. As far as charity and Christianity and all that, that's above and beyond. That's for us to do that. I think government plays a role in there. But I think that's for us to help. And, and sadly, sadly, I I don't see as many Christians jumping on that. I wish they would. I mean, you know, there's but, a lot of Christians who have a lot of money and do their little thing, but they're not. They're but they're not, not going to really. give. And I think that that's why a, not. Aren't but, we but because it? you because you've we have a cultural expectation now that that's the government's job to do that, not our, not ours. And I think then that, that that's a pulpit thing. Then somehow that message is not getting preached enough in the churches in this country. I would say that's a problem with Christianity. It is, it is a problem with Christianity. But when I, they do look at the government, say, yeah. "Well, the government will help." I well, I said earlier, that's poli- not what Jesus. Poli- that's not what he preached. Yeah, politics are downstream of culture. I mean, but look, I, I, I would like to see the church more involved in entitlement reform. You know, I think that that's I think that's where the answer will be at is is people and that that'll happen through discipleship. You know, like you really discipling somebody who is in a system of of. I mean, I've seen you guys have taken in people over the years and poured into folks who grew up in a systemic uh um, it's hard it's the hardest thing to get people out of i mean it's you know and it's a lifelong i mean it comes it, back to work and you know people don't want to work and so there yeah. we go i mean that we can agree on but i do think that trump has the ability if anybody anybody i've seen the past i was there when you know uh romney and i was there with mccann i was there bush and president obama i mean i've seen all these things come somebody has come along now and i saw this way early on and uh is it somebody there that may can change some things and may can do that? And I think he may actually change the political structure because he's not 
he doesn't do it by the rules. He doesn't do what you're supposed to do, and I think that's why he was so successful against all these career politicians who were so skilled at this, and they just look kind of foolish uh, up against him. So what will he do? Um, I know him as a person, and I I think he's going to do great. I I don't think one guy can go in there, or female, I don't think one person can go in there and just start hacking and slashing, and people are like, oh, do we want his fingers on the buttons? He has children and grandchildren in this country, in New York City. He, what is it? He's not wanting, you know, Armageddon yeah. here. I don't think he, in fact, as a business guy, that's dumb. That's dumb business. That's why he was against the war. It's like some of these things are just dumb business moves. Well, I, I feel a lot more comfortable about Trump when we see his, I, mean, I think he does, he's lining himself up with good people. I'd like to see him pick uh, Newt Gingrich for his VP. Um, you know, I think so. Well, you know, I think he's looking at. I think it's to me, but I think his whole administration is going to be a bunch of really smart. Most of the people he beat in that uh, <laughs> in the primary, most of those people are going to end up working for him. That's what smart business I'm, guys do. Uh, they see yeah. smart people and they go, "Hey, you know, you may not can be the CEO, but I got a great place for you, and I, I like a lot of those minds. I think they're. I, I love Nude. I've uh, actually had a good chance to meet him and was at dinner with him one night, and he gets up and gives a speech like. Like, we're having dinner. He just stands out like, ding, 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 you know, does the wine glass thing. And I was like, oh, he's giving a speech. And he went through and literally, man, it was like the best speech I've ever heard in my life just on a whim. Oh, he's brilliant. A, he's brilliant. He just really a is. brilliant guy. Um, and sadly, I mean, I remember when he ran for president, I mean, and he was somebody I was I was hoping just because he is so smart. He's been there. He's trying to. And, you know, he's going to be tied, whatever, it, it, whether or not he picks him or not, he's going to be in the administration. He's going to be right there. So I trust guys like that, and I think Trump surrounds himself. I understand. As CEO of a company, as a guy who's done a television show, who's, you know, people look at me, ah, oh, you're a reality TV show, like like the, you're the scum of the earth. I'm like, well, it, try doing it. It's it's a lot harder than it looks, and especially to be as successful. You surround yourself with people that are smart and good. Look, I mean, Johnny D., like I'm just sitting here, just being smart in the corner. Well, you're the one. Yeah, you know, I bring him in, you know, because I get Johnny D. Because you know what, Johnny D. gets things done. Yeah. So that's why he's a great assistant. He gets crap done. Sometimes he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> wait, we almost had a compliment well, the, there. The motel, the motel he booked in Phoenix, the, the key wouldn't work, and then throwing away my my dinner on the plane. <laughs> Canceled a free lobster dinner. <laughs> there you Two go. Two mistakes, so, three years. There you go. He's bad average pretty good. is pretty good. Bad. So he surrounds themselves. Well, we're going to see. It's going to be interesting. I can't wait. To, uh, uh, I can't wait to be there and uh, be a part of that. And uh, you know, I've got all this history with. Uh, convention so it's going to be great and uh i think phil's movie is going to be great i can't wait for people to see it the name of it is torchbearer 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 phil definitely is a torchbearer well zach thank you for coming in and talking a little bit about politics we'll have you on again and uh we'll keep going and i'll keep correcting you and guiding you just like i have been since you were in college (laughs) hey look uh, man as long as you don't (laughs) shove my face in your armpit like now now we're going back to when i was 13 one story we didn't tell the sins of the past what about the time that you made my two-year-old brother drink copenhagen spit now that was now i offered it to him as a joke i was 12 years old and i thought it was funny and and then uh, Zach, uh, Zach's father, my uncle, uh, popped me upside the head, and I was mad at him for about 22 years. So, uh, But it's over. It's water on the bridge. Water under the bridge. I'll pass it now. 22 I'm, gra- years I'm glad to see you turned bridge. out okay. Uh, all right, Zach. Thanks right, a bunch, man. Good to be here.
All right, guys, so there you have it. That's my cousin, Zach, uh, smart guy, uh, really excited about the movie, uh, Torchbearer coming out. We're going to get Phil in, talk about that, obviously. Uh, I've seen the movie. Whew, it's heavy, and, uh, yeah, and some of it's tied to politics. I mean, let's face it, you know, when political um, when political machines start going down the wrong path, like with Hitler and other ones, they, uh, you know, it ends up in violence, and uh, people end up dead, and uh, it's a scary thing, and I know Zach is a... You know, definitely taking the more, um, uh, you know, kind of scary look at it. And I understand that. I have friends. I have family that says that um, I try just to stay as positive as I can. Because if you watch the news all the time and if you get so caught up in that, man, I think it can affect how you live your life. Um, you know, you only have one life. And I don't want to spend the every day of it uh, worrying about what may happen. So I try to just live and be happy and get along with people and uh democrat republican libertarian independent whatever you are um surely we can find some common ground to sit and talk and uh you know i work in hollywood and with television and people from new york and so believe me there are a variety of different people um and i've had some some of my funnest memories with people who are not on the same political side as me um don't have the faith maybe that i have uh in even in the lord but we find some common ground and hopefully i can shine the light of the lord to them and uh, and that can portray in politics i'm just a eternal optimist and um you know i have the luxury right now of actually knowing uh uh, knowing Mr. Trump and he's running and so knowing that and being able to influence and help out and maybe share some ideas and uh, uh, do that. I don't agree with everything uh, anyone says, uh, even my family. Uh, there's my cousin that I disagree with on some things and my father. But, uh, but you know, we love each other and hopefully that love comes out. And so the reason that happens, guys, the reason I can have that hope is because I believe there's a hope beyond here. Uh, Zach mentioned utopia and uh, us trying to, in some ways, you create this utopia or heaven type thing here in America. I think we can strive and I think we can make life as good as we can make it. I think we all want uh, children to be safe and fed and educated. I think we all want people to, you know, if they have a medical emergency, that someone will help them. I think we all want protection from police and uh, military. We all want that. And we strive for that. It's never going to be perfect. And uh, I think that's. That's why God gives us something, the hope that there's something that is perfect. And so that's what really uh, dictates my life and makes me God and hopefully has the right attitude about things is that there's something beyond here. We are so fortunate in this country to live in a country that, uh, to be honest, for a lot of people around the globe would be heaven on earth um, where we have unlimited food and we have uh, nice houses and we have uh, automobiles to carry us around and uh, we have parties and we have graduations and we were able to see that and so America is a great place I'm not a big basher of it because it's been so good to me I've been on both sides of this thing when we were poor and we were just looking for that really American hope that story to to come out and do something great and uh, myself and my family were able to achieve that not everyone does but even if you don't if you grow up in uh, you know, Uganda, Africa, where there's two and a half million homeless uh, or orphans, you know, kids, and half of those are orphaned by AIDS. Uh, doesn't seem like heaven on earth there, but thank God that he gives us a hope that there's something beyond here. For some of us, we get to live great lives and comfortable lives. For others, it's not, but there's something beyond here. That's why at the end of every podcast, we go to the scriptures, we read them because it gives us hope. And today, uh, I'm going to come from the Old Testament. So this comes from Job. That looks like Job, but it's not Job. It's Job. It was a person uh, who had many trials. Uh, but uh, chapter 12, 23, it says, He makes nations great 
and destroys them. He enlarges nations and disperses them. I believe that the good Lord is in control. He's been in control of this country. He's given us so many great things. We were able to, from this country, help so many people, not just in America, but all over the globe. I pray, and my prayer is that he continues to do that because he's in charge of the nations. Uh, he's just letting human beings try to run them. So hopefully we don't run them into the ground and uh, make things harder on ourselves. That's the message. Hopefully you get some hope out of this and uh, get involved in politics. Certainly go vote. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.